This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Nebraska U.S. Senator Deb Fisher. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Nebraska's Deb Fisher next. Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Cooperative, the voice of milk. Edge provides dairy farmers in the Midwest with a strong voice, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and within their communities. Edge is a progressive organization that represents all dairy farmers equally, recognizing both their differences and similarities. Now the number four dairy cooperative in the country based on milk volume, Edge is amplifying the voice of its farmers. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Despite a flurry of activity in the Congress to close the calendar year, there's still plenty of work to do in the legislature in 2020. Nebraska Republican Senator Deb Fisher wants to see the USMCA trade agreement approved, but says the upper chamber may still have to deal with an impeachment trial. We started out with Speaker Pelosi saying she wasn't going to move ahead with impeachment unless there was bipartisan support. Well, everybody who watched the vote saw that those that voted in favor of impeachment, it was all Democrats. It was not bipartisan. Those who voted against, there it was bipartisan. There were a few Democrats that did vote against it. So it was a process that I was very disappointed in on how those proceedings were conducted. But now that they have passed it, it... Um, may come to the Senate. Speaker Pelosi said she didn't know if she was going to send it to the Senate now or not. So there's a little confusion there on what they're doing. If it was just a a political exercise, if it was just so that they could make a statement. But when it comes to the Senate, I will be a, a juror and I'll listen to the Democrat managers. I'll listen to the president's attorneys and make a decision. Let's move to issues from the Environmental Protection Agency following through with their announcement for the Renewable Fuel Standard, the RVO, for the year ahead. Uh, It does seem to be a bit different of what the EPA's plan is compared to what the president had suggested. Do you see a discrepancy, and how do you see the EPA action? Yeah, I'm disappointed in what the EPA did. When I was in the Oval Office with the president and many of my colleagues, I thought it was pretty plain what we wanted, what the president had agreed to, and that's not really what we're seeing with the EPA right now. They're using Department of Energy numbers and the formula, which have never been used before. We want to make sure we get the 15 billion gallons that is the law, and and that's where we are going to continue to be focused on. Does this deserve legislative attention, or would you expect the administration to take further action, or is this a campaign issue? I would say it could be all of the above. Most likely it is a campaign issue. And when you have the president in Iowa, I'm sure that that he'll be asked about it. But it's really looking uh, looking at the EPA about this and to make sure that they're following what the what the president had talked to us about. Is it a legislative issue? That would be really difficult to get it passed, to be honest with you. There are obviously uh, 
different views on the RFS. They use ethanol. You have big oil interests. So that would be difficult to get it passed. I think it needs to be done administratively, and it should follow the law. Inside the spending bill that funds the government for the rest of the fiscal year, another billion and a half dollars for disaster assistance. We've had hurricanes. You've experienced floods. There have been wildfires and drought. Uh, even though this now raises the mark to about four and a half billion, is this enough? I think we have to wait and see how it's used, Jeff. I think that's really going to be important here. It was good to be able to get that money in for farmers and ranchers. As you know, my state, we were hit with a bomb cyclone. So we had blizzards in the west, really horrible weather that hit at, in calving time and for our ranchers. Then in the central and eastern part of the state, we had tremendous flooding that we're still trying to recover from. So we're going to have to see how it's used, what needs are still out there. I worked on that. I also worked on getting funding for off at Air Force Base. About a third of the base was underwater, the runway, also some of the buildings that take care of the mission of the 55th Wing that is stationed at Offutt. And then uh, Camp Ashland, which is a National Guard, Nebraska National Guard, a training facility, that suffered some uh, tremendous damage as well, and we have some money in, in for that. So it's always easy to throw money at things, but I'm one who thinks you need to make sure it's being spent correctly. And so we'll, we'll see how this money's spent. We'll see what the needs are or if there are still needs out there and just what the process needs to be going forward. It seems to be a process that has taken an amount of time, but USMCA appears to be headed now for the Senate with the decision first to finance and then hopefully to the Senate floor. About time? Oh, past time. We, we need to get this trade agreement done, and uh, the House needs to send it over. There again, it's, it is a question of timing, though, with the impeachment coming over. If the Speaker does wait and not send it over, which I can't understand her strategy on that, we're going to take up the USMCA. We're going to say, send it over here. We want to do it. It will be in the Finance Committee, as you said. It doesn't have to be all 15 days in the Finance Committee. They can move quickly on it, and then we'd be able to get it to the floor and take a vote on it. People need certainty. Our ag producers need certainty. Our manufacturers do. Uh, our business people do. These are good markets. We don't want to lose them. We want to make sure that they are open and ready for business because our producers are dependent upon those markets to be open and to make sure that they can sell. Do you have concerns over the USMCA deal as it is now? I think it's a good deal now. I think it was probably a little better before, but in order to get things passed, it takes some compromise. I think it's a it's good deal. We'll see the impact that it's going to have. But I, I can tell you with my feedback I'm getting from Nebraskans is they're supportive and they want it done. Apparently, there is a phase one deal with China. It is said to be 86 pages long, and over 25 of those pages do address agriculture. What thoughts do you have about the relationship and the negotiations up to this point? With China, I mean, everything is going to take time. It takes a lot of patience. The ag part of the negotiations, it's my understanding that that hasn't been the problem. We've just been caught up in it and are facing a lot of challenges because of it. 
but to be able to be included in phase one, I think, I think that's a good deal on it. And it's my understanding that it's pretty beneficial for ag. The sticking points obviously are going to be over intellectual property. It's going to be over the technology transfers that China demands. So as we are, um, looking at, uh, China, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, but I hear anyway, I'm glad that ag is going to be in phase one, and uh, hopefully we can get those long-standing issues addressed as well, because if we don't stand up to the Chinese and get a good deal now, it's going to be harder to do in the future. Do you support what the administration, the path that they've taken? I support the administration for taking on China. I think that is what needed to be done in the past. As I said, China is uh, becoming an economic power. And if we don't try and negotiate these difficult things now, it's going to be harder in the future. They're growing as an economic power. They are growing as a military power. And it is vital for the United States to be able to stand up to China, hopefully with our allies, to be able to get some of these agreements done now. Because it it's going to be tougher in the future. I know you said and serve on the Armed Services Committee as well. Does this China negotiation, does it have a national security element? I think anything with China has a national security element. They are peer competitors. They are growing their military. You know, we hear about the development of their creating islands in the South China Sea, but they're also building a, a navy. They're building their military up. They continue to test rockets. They are a danger in the cyber world. They are a danger in our realm of space as a warfighting domain. So they are definitely a competitor to us, and they're an adversary. And we need to continue to not just address where they are today, but I'm thinking national security with regards to armed services now. We have to continue to know where they are with the development of technology, with the, the development of their missiles, with the development of their cyber and the capabilities that they currently have, but also that they are developing that would have a, really a tremendous adverse effect on this country. There's one element of your biography that makes you rare in Washington and the fact that there are not many farmers and ranchers, and you certainly <laughs> are, uh, and, and not just a rancher, but also uh, well in tune with the livestock industry. And with that, you've offered a piece of legislation called the Real Meat Act. What's your plan? Isn't it just the best thing around? <laughs> I, I love this bill. It's, uh, yeah, the Real Meat Act, I think, I think taking a stand that uh, those of us in agriculture and those of us who represent states where agriculture is an economic engine for the entire state, we need to take that stand. There has to be a fairness in advertising here. With beef, we have rigorous labeling. We have rigorous inspections that we have to go through with our product, and it has one ingredient in it. It's beef, and that's how it's labeled. Some of these new fads that are out there with the plant-based stuff, they should have to label it imitation, and I think they should have to include the ingredients. You know, beef has one ingredient. Some of these other products out there like Beyond Burgers and the Impossible, or Beyond 
uh, burger and the impossible burger, they have over 20 ingredients. Um, that should be labeled. Consumers should know what they're buying. Consumers should know what's on their dinner table. I think that that needs to happen. And so I'm excited to, ha- to have this bipartisan bill. I have a Democrat co-sponsor. Senator Cortez Masto is my co-sponsor on it. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to get the message out and, and really pushing it next year. Cattlemen's Beef Association offered a study that said that 55% of consumers don't understand a product that would be named plant-based beef. Yeah, they don't understand that it's not beef. That's the point that we want to get across. Because, as you know, when you look at ground beef, lean ground beef, it has more protein, less saturated fat. It has iron and more zinc and B vitamins. Um, we've got a great product. We just want things uh, to be labeled correctly. Uh, don't make these false claims that... Uh, that beef is not healthy and that it causes heart disease and diabetes. One website of the fake stuff did that, and they had to take it down. We want to make sure consumers know what they're buying. And people, we, we see that all the time. People want to know what they're buying. They want to know what they're feeding their family. And this is a case where we need to make sure that you don't produce an imitation product and try and pass it off as the real thing. Is this a legislative answer to what could be really a regulatory problem? Yes, I think it has to be done because we have a problem with regulations. You have the USDA that, uh, as I said, inspects uh, meat. They, they have uh, label requirements. The FDA is responsible for the imitation plant-based products, uh, but they don't enforce it, and that's part of this bill where they would have to enforce it, where it has to show that it's, it is an imitation. You said on the Commerce Committee, so this question comes along that line. In California, there's Proposition 12 that not only sets a standard for the livestock producers in their state, but if you want to sell your product in California, you would have to adhere to those Proposition 12 standards. As a cattleman, how do you feel about that? Well, as a member of the Commerce Committee and as a person who believes in the Constitution, we have a Commerce Clause in the Constitution. And when you have interstate commerce where you sell products across state lines, where you travel across state lines, the federal government should be setting what the laws are, what the rules and regulations are. I realize California is a big state. They have a big government. They have a lot of revenue, and they tend to set their own laws and their own rules, but it has an effect on interstate commerce. So on that basis alone, I have a, I have a problem with it. And in visiting with ag producers from California, they feel like they're almost not even welcome in their own state anymore because of all the regulations that are put on them in California. Uh, We're lucky in Nebraska that we are an ag-friendly state. It doesn't matter if you live in Omaha or or Valentine or Scotts Bluff. I grew up in Lincoln. Uh, I always knew the importance of ag to the economy of our state. One in in four jobs in Nebraska are reliant upon it. So we're an ag-friendly state, and we're fortunate um, that there's other states that um, 
sometimes don't use a lot of common sense when it comes to agriculture. Senator, one more in the funding bill. Were some extra dollars for rural broadband? I think everyone agrees that rural broadband and service is a top priority, even into the last mile. But at the same time, there are a lot of different areas that are addressing a single issue. Is it too many cooks to spoil the stew, or do you think we are truly making progress in this service? I think we are making progress. Um, when I was in the Nebraska legislature, I chaired the Transportation Telecommunications uh, Committee for six years. And obviously, roads, bridges uh, were, were a big part of my portfolio, but also telecoms, technology, broadband. That was another big part. Here on the Commerce Committee, I, uh, I embrace those issues. That's kind of my wheelhouse. Uh, broadband deployment is necessary. It is, it is vital for rural America not just to maintain, but to be able to grow. And, and, uh, the first step in that is looking at what, what we have now. And that gets down to the whole mapping issue. Uh, maybe you have service in an area, but what kind of service do you have? Uh, that's, a, that's gonna be, um, a step that is going to be necessary to take. And we're, we're addressing that in the Commerce Committee, that mapping issue, and the FCC is as well. So that's the first step. I'm sure you're aware, Jeff, in the Farm Bill that we passed, there were some grants for rural um, deployment of broadband. And uh, that that's going to be helpful, too. That was one of the things I've, I worked on on the bill and was very excited to see because we – we should have those same opportunities. It, I don't know um, if you or your listeners remember uh, when the REA went out and uh, people in the 40s and 50s in very rural areas were going to get electricity because it's, it's a commitment by government that all people should have certain services. You should have electricity. Everybody should have a landline phone. I remember, you know, that that's part of the Universal Service Fund, to have a landline phone. Everyone should have um, the availability of, of good roads so that they are able to travel for personal use or for commerce, for the delivery of their products. Uh, broadband's in that category. Everybody, everybody across this nation, whether they live in the inner city or in a county with less than one person per square mile should have uh, the ability to have access to broadband. A year ago, uh, we were talking about the hope of an infrastructure bill in 2019. I know you chair the, the subcommittee in commerce on surface transportation. Is infrastructure on the docket for 20, uh, or what other hopes do you have in the legislature for 20? <laughs> You know, um, infrastructure is always on my docket. Uh, I think that's a core responsibility of government. First responsibility of a federal government is our is our security, our national defense. But infrastructure is right up there as a priority and and a duty that we have. Uh, so I I have a bill. Uh, it deals basically with roads and bridges uh, to be able to get that surface transportation keep moving along, moving down the road and get that accomplished. Do I think it's going to happen in 2020? I think it will be difficult. First of all, it's an election year, presidential election year. And secondly, uh, we're having a, a hard time coming together on what to pay for. 
are going to be for this? Where's the revenue going to come from? You have to have a steady stream of revenue anytime you're looking at infrastructure projects. So that's going to be, uh, I think, a tough one. Senator Fisher, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on Open Mic this week of Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And in closing the show, the senator from Nebraska has the last word today. Well, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Jeff. Wish your listeners a Merry Christmas and all Americans. We have accomplished a lot this year. Sometimes we don't hear about the positive things that happen, but I think it shows the resilience of people when you go through disasters like this. It shows the importance of neighbors and community and family. So I just wish everyone... A very Merry Christmas and have a wonderful New Year. Our thanks to Nebraska U.S. Senator Deb Fisher, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.